1: You do this and God so commands you, you'll be able to stand the strain and all these people will go home satisfied. That's one of the main reasons God had the people numbered and appointed leaders to make sure everybody's counted. God counted them. God numbered them so that nobody would just be a number. God doesn't want anybody to just be a number. Christianity was never, ever intended to be lived
0: alone. Never. Sometimes we can interpret God in the Old Testament as cruel and uncaring. Many Christians, even pastors, avoid books like Numbers because it seems cold and clinical. It might feel like watching a documentary on trigonometry when you could watch a blockbuster film. But as Pastor Danny will explain in today's message, though it takes a little more digging and an open heart, God has valuable lessons to teach us through Numbers. We can learn more about who this loving sovereign God is as we dig into its pages. Now here's Pastor Danny in the book of Numbers chapter one, as he begins his message, more than a number.
1: Leviticus dealt with worship and spiritual position. Numbers deals with walk and spiritual progression. The book of Exodus, in terms of the period of time that goes by, uh, it's one year, the book of Exodus. Leviticus, you know how much time goes by in, in terms of the chronology of everything that happens in the book of Le- Leviticus? One month. You know how much time goes by in the book of Numbers? 38 plus years. Spiritual progression, walk, takes time. Takes time. And sometimes it's three steps forward, two steps back. Sometimes it's two steps forward and three steps back. In Hebrews, in the Hebrew language, it's really not called the book of Numbers. You know what it's called? in the wilderness, because that's where they are for the 38 plus years. Now they're on their way to the promised land, but hard going. Now, a little bit of this section is the part in your Bible reading you just wanna skip over. And I'm not gonna read every verse, but when you get to these sections, If you're ever reading out loud, or if you're teaching a a Sunday school class or something like that, and you don't know how to pronounce the words, say them very fast, and nobody will know. (laughs) I promise you. Verse one, chapter one, the Lord spoke to Moses in the tent of meeting in the desert of Sinai on the first day of the second month of the second year after the Israelites came out of Egypt. He said, Take a census of the whole Israelite community by their clans and families, listing every man by name, one by one. I underline that. Every single individual. You and Aaron are to number by their divisions all the men in Israel, 20 years old and more, who are able to serve in the army. So God drafted all the younger guys. One man from each tribe, each the head of his family, is to help you. These are the names of the men who are to assist you. From Reuben, Eliezer, son of Shadur. From Simeon, Shalemuel, uh, son of Zeruel. I'm not doing too good. From Judah, Nashon, son of Aminadab. Now, there's an interesting name. And just a little side note, Nashon, the son of Aminadab, is the great, great, great grandfather, if I counted correctly, of King David. Cool. Boaz. Remember Boaz. And Ruth, Nashon, is their relative, prince of Israel. From Issachar, Nathaniel, son of Zuar. From Zebulon, Eliab, son of Elon. From the sons of Joseph, from Ephraim, Eleshua, son of Amihud. Uh, from Manasseh, Gamaliel, son of Pedazur. Uh, from Benjamin, Abidan, son of Yeah. You know all these guys. And then verse 16, these were the men appointed from the community, the leaders of their ancestral tribes. They were the heads of the clans of Israel. Moses and Aaron took these men whose names had been given and they called the whole community together on the first day of the second month. The people indicated their ancestry by their clans and families. And the men 20 years old or more were listed by name, one by one, I underline that, one by one. And then verse 20, from the descendants, uh, of Reuben the firstborn son of Israel all the men 20 years old or more who were able to serve in the army were listed by name one by one according to the records of their clans and families the number from the tribe of Reuben was 46500 now verse 22 and 23 says the same thing as the other verse except this is the descendants of Simeon now and their total was 59300 same thing verses 24 and 25 only this is Gad and the verse 25 uh, their total was 45,650 the men who were going to serve in the army from the descendants of judah verse 26 the total there verse 27 is 74,600 from issachar verse 29 54,400 verse 30 zebulon and you jump down to verse 31 their total is 57,400 it's a lot of people Joseph, verse 32, and then verse 33, 40,500. Manasseh, verse 35, 32,200. Benjamin, verse 36, you jump down to 37, 35,400. Dan, verse 39, 62,700. Asher, verse 41, 41, 41,500. Naphtali, or Naphtali, verse uh, 43, 53,400. Verse 44, these were the men counted by Moses and Aaron and the 12 leaders of Israel, each one representing his family. All the Israelites 20 years old or more who were able to serve in Israel's army were counted according to their families. The total number was 603,550. So you know that all of the Israelites probably totaled something around 2 million. That's a big church. The families of the tribe of Levi, however, were not counted along with the others, The Lord has said to Moses, you must not count the tribe of Levi or include them in the census of the other Israelites. Instead, appoint the Levites to be in charge of the tabernacle of the testimony over all its furnishings and everything belonging to it. They are to carry the tabernacle and all its furnishings. They are to take care of it and encamp around it. Whenever the tabernacle is to move, the Levites are to take it down. And whenever the tabernacle is to be set up, the Levites shall do it. Anyone else who goes near it shall be put to death. That was a serious thing. You're not a Levite. You don't want to do that. The Israelites are to set up their tents by divisions. Each man in his own camp under his own standard. I underlined that under his own standard. You'll see that again. The Levites, however, are to set up their tents around the tabernacle of the testimony so that wrath will not fall on the Israelite community. The Levites are to be responsible for the care of the tabernacle of the testimony. So the Israelites did all this just as the Lord commanded Moses. Now I've chosen just to read through all of the passage, so hang with me. Chapter two, the Lord said to Moses and Aaron, the Israelites are to camp around the tent of meeting some distance from it. Each man under his standard, there you see it again, each man under his standard, with the banners of his family. On the east toward the sunrise, uh, the divisions of the camp of Judah are to encamp under their standard. Again, you see it. The leader of the people of Judah is Nashon, son of Abinadab, there you see him again. Verse five, the tribe of Issachar will camp next to them. Uh, And then he gives the leader of their people. Uh, Verse seven, Zebulon will be next. Uh, Verse eight, uh, verse nine, all the men assigned to the, the camp of Judah according to their divisions and there's the biggest biggest tribe 186,400. And it's interesting the number there and you'll see what I mean in a few minutes. They will set out first. On the south the camp of Reuben under their standard there you see it again. Verse 12 Simeon next to them. Verse 14 Gad will be next. Verse 16 all the men assigned to the camp of Reuben, according to their divisions. They will set out second, verse 17. Then the tent of meeting and the camp uh, of the Levites will set out in the middle of the camps. So half the tribes go and then the Levites set out. They will set out in the same order as they encamp, each in his own place under his standard. I think there's a message there. Uh, On the west will be the divisions of the camp of Ephraim under their standard. Verse 20, Manasseh will be next to them. Verse 22, Benjamin will be next. Verse 24, Ephraim, they will set out third. On the north will be the divisions of the camp of Dan under their standard. Verse 27, Asher. Verse 29, Naphtali, or Naphtali. Verse 31, all the men assigned to the camp of Dan number 157,600, they will set out last under their standards. And it was always the same. Judah would go first and Dan would go last. That's always the way it was. Judah would go first. It was an order. These are the Israelites counted according to their families. All those in the camps by their divisions, number 603,550. The Levites, however, were not counted along with the other Israelites as the Lord commanded Moses. So the Israelites did everything the Lord commanded Moses. That's the way they encamped under their standards. And that's the way they set out, each with his clan and his family. Very meaningful passage, huh? It really is. Why did God number them? Three main reasons. He numbered them for personal identification. One by one. Everybody's counted. Even though it says the Levites aren't counted, uh, they are counted in the sense that they are part of a clan, part of a tribe, part of a family. They're counted, and they're numbered for protection. Remember what Jesus said to Peter? Simon, Simon, Satan has desired to sift you as wheat. What does that mean, practically speaking? In that culture, and still in some cultures today, they get up on a hill where there's some wind, they throw the grain up in the air, the wind would blow the chaff away, the true grain would fall together, they'd get up the grain, and then they'd take it but the chaff would be blown away. What, practically speaking, Satan wanted to do with Peter is get him alone. Satan has desired to sift you as wheat. Get him out of the protective community of other committed believers. Remember, on the night Jesus was betrayed, all the disciples fled. Ecclesiastes, I think I put it in here, Great, great, great verse. Here's one you not only want to memorize, you want to you want to do something in life that you can live this. Though one may be overpowered, two can defend themselves. A cord of three strands is not quickly broken. There's protection. And then third, he numbered them for, for provision. Now, maybe a familiar passage, but that's okay. We're going to look at it anyway. Exodus chapter 18. And you find the place, go down to verse 13. The next day, Moses took his seat to serve as judge for the people, and they stood around him from morning till evening. When his father-in-law saw all that Moses was doing for the people, he said, what is this you're doing for the people? Why do you alone sit as judge while all these people stand around you morning till evening? And Moses said, because the people come to me to seek God's will. Whenever they have a dispute it's brought to me, I decide between the parties and form them of God's decrees and laws. Moses' father-in-law said, what you're doing is not good. You and these people who come to you will only wear yourselves out. The work is too heavy for you. You cannot handle it alone. Listen now to me and I'll give you some advice and may God be with you. You must be the people's representative before God and bring their disputes to him. In other words, pray for them. Teach them the decrees and laws and show them the way to live and the duties there to perform. But select capable men from all the people, men who fear God, trustworthy men who hate dishonest gain, and appoint them as officials over, and I never get tired of reading this. Listen, listen how practical this is. Over thousands, hundreds, fifties, and tens. Tens. That's a small group. Have them serve as judges for the people at all times, but have them bring every difficult case to you, the simple cases they can decide themselves. That'll make your load lighter because they will share it with you. If you do this and God so commands, you'll be able to stand the strain and all these people will go home satisfied. That's one of the main reasons God had the people numbered and appointed leaders to make sure everybody's counted. God counted them, God numbered them so that nobody would just be a number. God doesn't want anybody to just be a number. Christianity was never, ever intended to be lived alone. Never. God doesn't want anybody just to be a number. And then there's a fourth reason. Progress, but specifically corporate progress as one nation, as one people. You know, the opening 10 chapters of Numbers covers a mere 50 days, and in those 10 chapters, it's all about organization. It's all about making sure everybody's in the right place and in the right family and that they're following God's lead and not getting out of line. And, you know, it's kind of follow the leader uh, as God assign everybody's different position and responsibility. Yes. Unity would be maintained only through order and submission. Here's what Jesus said. Every kingdom divided against itself will be ruined, and every city or household divided against itself will not stand. Not only organization, not only numbering the people so that nobody's just a number, but there has to be submission and unity, or else they won't move all together as one nation, as one people. Psalm 133, it just so happened it was part of my devotional reading today. I thought, Lord, that was, that's so cool because it just fits right in here. Psalm 133, very short but powerful psalm. Let me read it. Verse one, how good and pleasant it is when brothers live together in unity. It is like precious oil poured on the head, running down on the beard, running down on Aaron's beard, down upon the collar of his robes. It's, a, it's this anointing. It's as if the dew of Hermon were falling on Mount Zion. For there the Lord bestows his blessing, even life forevermore. You want a real practical proverb to go right beside that wonderful psalm? It's Proverbs chapter 17 and verse one. Good one to memorize. Better a dry crust with peace and quiet than a house full of feasting with strife. I'm going to read that again, better a dry crust with peace and quiet than a house full of feasting with strife. Better to live in a hut with your family than in a mansion. If the mansion, all you, you have no real unity, you have no real peace in the home. You know how powerful unity is? It's so, it, it's so powerful that early on in the book of Genesis in chapter nine, when the people of the world in that day got together to build a tower to the heavens. But it wasn't in honor of God. It wasn't in honor of God. We call it the Tower of Babel, Babel, because that's where they built it, in in Babylon. And here's what God said, even though it was against his will, and God confounded their languages and stopped the whole work. But here's what he said. If, as one people speaking the same language, they have begun to do this, then nothing they plan to do will be impossible for them. That's how powerful a united people are. Powerful. Now, there are essentials. Well, before I get to that, I forgot to put this one in here. But you are a chosen people. Let's say that together. This is us. You are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people belonging to God. Once you were not a people, but now you are the people of God. In the same way, in the book of Numbers, you have the nation of Israel, and of course, a lot bigger than this local fellowship here. Nevertheless, principle is the same. We are a people, the church, we're God's people. And there are essentials, essentials for unity and corporate progression, essentials. And they're in the text, Numbers chapters one and two. You know what they are? You got to be willing to be numbered. Some people don't want to be numbered. I just want to come in, I got my seat, you know, I want to leave. Don't bother me. Enjoy the teaching, enjoy the worship, but don't, don't, I don't want to get too personal. But that's a shame, you see, because not only are you missing out, we're missing out. You see, you not only need us, we need you. You know what I mean by we? I mean, you know, it, the relationships. Christianity never intended to be lived in isolation. You got to be willing to be numbered. Uh, Here in Numbers, it it meant that a leader would know your name. It, It would mean that you are more than a number. It would mean there's an accountability in relationships with other people. Second, you have to have leaders willing to help count each individual. Boy, do we need this, we need more of this. Leaders willing to help each individual not just be a number that everybody's counted. And then here's the third one. This is, oh, how practical. We gotta all be willing to accept God's assignment. You say, I don't know what it is. Well, get involved, and that's the first step in finding out. First step in finding out. Here's another one, and this is so cool. Uh, You might find a better one, but uh, I did see a better one in terms of what I'm gonna show you, but this has got more information on it. so. Uh, you had Ephraim up top, you had Reuben on the left, uh, Dan on the right, and the biggest, the biggest tribe, I mentioned it when we were reading through it, is Judah. So you got the longest line down at the bottom. Now you notice what, what that makes? <laughs> a cross. And it's interesting too, they had banners uh, uh, around, uh, at least they say they did, where you had to the left of Levi, a man, to the top of Levi, an ox, to the right of Levi, an eagle, and to the bottom of Levi, a lion. Now that's interesting to me as a student of the Bible because that's exactly when we read in Revelation, John seeing heaven, and those are the four uh, creatures, if you will. that are around the throne of God. Cool stuff, I like stuff like that. So, everybody, had not only a tribe that they belonged to, but you had a clan that's narrowing down your tribe a little more, and then from your clan, you had your family. Okay? Everybody had a place to camp. And whenever you moved, you moved with your tribe, with your clan, with your family. Did you know we have some camps, Calvary Chapel, St. Petersburg? Say, really? Yep. If you can figure out the geography, obviously the Gulf of Mexico is to the left, Reddington Shores, Reddington Beach, too small for you to read probably back there. I don't know how far you drive to get here to church service, but it's very likely there's one camp very geographically and strategically close to where you live. Now, if you go to one, you say, I didn't really like that one. Well, then drive to another one. Then you say, I don't like that one, we'll drive to another one. And finally you'll end up with people that you like and that like you. Until you really get to know them. And when you really get to know them, you're gonna find out they're just like you. Because none of us are perfect. I love, I still love the bumper sticker. I don't know if they still put it out. Christians aren't perfect, they're just forgiven. Listen, you get to know me very well and I'm the senior pastor of the church. You get to know me very well, Forget it. It's my wife here. It's Wendy here. you like to come up in five minutes, tell them what I'm really like. Praise the Lord she's not here. I think she's having to do something in the office. I know she's not skipping church without a good reason. Right? Right? <laughs> she's not perfect either. Maybe she is skipping church. She'd probably be down there at McDonald's. I didn't really mean that.
0: That's all we have for today on The Living Word. If you have any questions for us about what you heard from Pastor Danny's study in Numbers, please email us. Our address is info at ccfstpete.church. That's info at ccfstpete.church. The Living Word is a radio ministry of Calvary Chapel Fellowship in St. Petersburg, Florida. If you're interested in connecting with us over social media, look for us on Facebook, Instagram, or on our YouTube channel. You can search for Calvary Chapel Fellowship, or you can find us by following the links at our website, ccfstpete.church. If you happen to be in the St. Petersburg area, we'd love to meet you. Every message you hear on the Living Word comes from a teaching Pastor Danny has shared at Calvary Chapel Fellowship, and you're invited to join us for our weekly services. Our church is filled with imperfect people being made holy by our perfect Creator. Join us on Saturday at 6 p.m. or Sunday at 9 or 11 a.m to worship God, read His Word, and get to know each other better. Find directions at our website. Again, that's ccfstpete.church. Our time with you has officially come to an end, but we're honored you tuned in today to study the Word. Join Pastor Danny next time as he continues teaching through the Book of Numbers right here on The Living Word.